Get your Bibles out, and we're going to get ready to jump into our word this morning. Um, I want to talk this morning about the kingdom lost, the kingdom lost. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. How many of you know God has a kingdom he was trying to give to his people? In other words, uh, the kingdom is firmly established. It's not, it's not something we're trying to build. Um, the kingdom is firmly established. God's inviting us to be a part of what he's doing and to be a part of his kingdom work on the earth. And I want to talk today about the larger narrative. How many of you know if you don't understand the larger narrative of the Bible, you're going to miss out on a lot? Many people have said, well, the Bible's a book of covenants. How many know that's true? There's the old covenant. There's the new covenant. That's absolutely true. But a covenant is meaningless apart from a kingdom because a covenant is a a series of agreements that a king makes uh, with with, uh, his royal subjects, all right? And so when God speaks to us in terms of old covenant and new covenant, it's all in the context of the kingdom and the king and the relationship that the king wants to have with us. Does that that make sense? So a a covenant apart from a kingdom is kind of a meaningless thing. So I just put all that in context. So we're getting into a series here. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Let me just whet your appetite too. Uh, We're going to move into the ministry of Jesus and how he established uh, a priority of the covenant. And we're going to talk about the mission of Jesus. So some of you, I I had a meeting with some great men of God. And uh, they're saying, you know, Pastor, you know, from the background we come from, you know, we've never really been taught how to pray for healing, for instance, or how to expect or believe that God heals. You know, Pastor, we hear in the Bible about Jesus uh, delivering people, but we've never been a part of uh, deliverance. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know how to do that. How many know these are great questions? So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to teach on all those things. And, uh, and then we're not only going to teach on it, we're going to practice it. Uh, and the whole goal is equipping us to move in the power and the dominion of our king and his kingdom to set captives free. Uh, that's when life gets to be really exciting is when other people get touched by the power of God and, and, and you had a part in the, to play in it. Uh, so ministry is not a duty or a burden or an obligation. Ministry becomes an incredible delight and a privilege. You all with me? And, uh, and when the church starts moving in a sense of delight and privilege instead of duty and religious obligation, everything gets changed. And so, as I share with you, too, the good news is everybody gets to play, not just the clergy folks, not just the religious folks, uh, not just the properly trained and educated seminary folks. Everybody gets to play in the, under the reign of our King Jesus, all right? So this is when it gets to be really, really fun. Um, I just got to tell you something else, too. This is just a personal testimony. Uh, yesterday at our market share uh, group, it was so good. Pastor Andrew did an amazing teaching on inspirational leadership, and he challenged us, and he said, what would be one area you want to inspire other people in? And first of all, are you living that out yourself? Well, immediately in my mind came a theme that we've talked about many times here. How about, I want to inspire people to joy in God. Like, we're happy. We're happy people. And, uh, and I asked myself, Am I living in the joy of the Lord, and can I inspire other people to walk in the joy of the Lord? So I go to my son's baseball game, and I'm walking to the concession stand to get a hot dog, something very spiritual, and uh, (laughs) and I don't know if I was thinking about the hot dog, and I was especially hungry or what, but this lady, she says to me, why are you so happy all the time? And I said, I said, what? Excuse me? And she said, 
You're just so happy all the time. Why? You're smiling all the time. Now, it's, that's probably an overstatement. But in my heart, I had another eruption of joy because I haven't always been accused of being happy. <laughs> and so I looked at her and I just said, it's Jesus. <laughs> and then she said, what? And I said, it's Jesus. He's to blame. He's why I'm happy. And I'll tell you more about it if you'd like to listen to more. But, it, but I mean, you know, joy is part of what it means to live in the kingdom. And, uh, and we talked about that last week. So I just want you to know, when, whenever a total stranger says that about me, I know God's changing me. And I'm not the same sour-faced, you know, person that I was, stressed out, wound up. I'm not that person anymore. Thank God. And all I had to do was slightly curl my lips upward. It's amazing. That one little, some of you just need to try it. You need to try it this morning. Just curl your lips up on the outside. People go, what is the matter with you? It's amazing how that works. All right, let's get into the message today. We have a creator who's a king. Can anybody say praise the Lord? All right. Last week, we said there were three things in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, about God. God is a king. God is a shepherd. And the greatest news of all, he's a dad. Woohoo! But he's a king, first and foremost. And I, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading through the Bible, I love to focus on the revelation of God as king and sovereign over all. We sang about this morning, you reign over all. Isn't it fun singing that? And then you don't, don't just sing it, you believe it. And then you start applying it to your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then your lips curl up on the outside. <laughs> Come on. Because we have an amazing king. No matter what we're going through. Let me, let me lay some track work here this morning about our creator king. Follow with me. Ne- Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, you alone are the Lord. Now how many of you know that is an authority statement right there? God reigns alone as Lord or King, all right? And here's, here, here's his job description. Here, here, here's his, uh, uh, not job description, but his, um, uh, what is it when you get a job somewhere and you take? Resume. Thank you. I read those lips. All right, I'm doing a lot, I'm doing a lot more lip reading at my age. All right, here we go. This is his resume. Why is he Lord over all? You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. Can I just say, if you just read Nehemiah, can anybody agree with me that we should have an absolute hatred for the false doctrine of evolution because it's an affront against the king of glory who doesn't make things by gazillions of years of accidental random mess. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. I feel better now. God made the skies and heavens and stars. He made the earth and the seas and everything in them, which means us, and he preserves them all. And all the angels in heaven worship him. This is amazing. Look at Isaiah chapter 37, verse 16. O Lord of hosts, that word host means the Lord of the armies of heaven and the God of Israel. He is enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You, here's his resume again, you have made the heavens and the earth. Isn't this amazing? Look at Romans, or Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you 
our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will, what a powerful statement, by the will of our sovereign creator king, they existed and they were created. These are power verses. They, they put together the king with the creation. They put together the authority of God with the creative genius of God and the will of God, and that God not only creates it, but he's sustaining everything and holding it all together. I mean, this is an amazing king we have. There, there's no one that has greater authority than God Almighty. And I love this verse is not on the screen, but this is Isaiah 43, verse 15. It puts them perfectly together. Here's the Lord revealing himself. He says, I am the Lord... Your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. So there it is again in one verse, Creator and King. Let me ask you this question this morning. Is He your Creator and your King? Because here's where we get into trouble. When we stop acting like creatures, creatures are simply created things. When we stop acting like creatures and we pretend to act like God, that's when you get into trouble. There's a great quote here by, by George Ladd, who's a theologian. Listen to this. He says, man only truly knows himself and realizes his true self when he realizes he's a creature and accepts the humble role of one whose very life is dependent on God's faithfulness and whose chief joy it is to serve and worship his creator. Listen to this. The root of sin is found in the purpose of man to transcend creaturehood and to exalt himself above God and to refuse to give his creator the worship and obedience that are his due. Now, this is so simple. When we stop acting like created beings and we start acting independently of God, acting as if we are God, that's when sin enters and that's when we have problems. So I'm establishing, first of all, we have an amazing creator and amazing king. Amen? He created you. He created me, which means it is our duty as creatures to submit joyfully to his leadership over our lives, which is why I told you you cannot enter the kingdom of God until the rule and reign of God is established in your heart. Otherwise, you're just a religious person sitting in church. And the, the, I'll tell you, Sunday morning in America, there are lots of religious people sitting in church who have not consciously recognized their creaturehood and come under the absolute dependence upon God as their creator king. Amen. So you cannot live in the kingdom of God if you think you're, you are God. Now, most of us don't go around saying that. We put people like that in mental institutions, or at least we used to. Now we celebrate them. We probably give them a primetime TV show. But anyway, um, we used to put people like that in, in special places where we help them get in touch with absolute reality. Uh, but now, again, that's kind of the, the common ground and the air in which we breathe. But we live in the kingdom, and God wants to give us the kingdom, and God wants us to operate in a different way. And the biggest problem is when we begin to think that we're somehow independent of God. So both man and nature were created by God and for God and are entirely dependent upon God. I like to pause right here and recognize the oxygen we're breathing in our bodies right now unconsciously 
No one's going, oh, I need to breathe. Exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale. No, we don't do that. We just live our lives. But we do this because of the genius of God and because of the providential care of God over all of his creation. Thank God my lungs are working this morning and I'm breathing and my heart's beating and I didn't even have to give it permission. I didn't even have to think about it all through the night. I'm absolutely dependent upon the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Now, why is it so hard to submit to that truth? Why is it so hard just to go, thank you, Lord. My life is yours. Why is that so hard? Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. Here's the cool thing if we recognize our creaturehood. God has given us dominion and trusted us with dominion and leadership over this entire planet. This is an incredible privilege. It's called the dominion mandate. Now, Folks on the left of the scale who are not excited about God's rule and reign like to freak out about this very concept here. But how many of you know the planet exists for people? The planet exists for people. People made in the image and likeness of God. And not just people, but the planet has been stewarded to us, which is huge. We have been given the privilege under the king of acting as his regents on planet Earth. In other words, we are in charge of allowing the kingdom rule and reign of God to flow through our lives and to establish the glory and the goodness of God on planet Earth. Amen. I mean, this is a big responsibility. It is an incredible privilege. Take a look with me at the dominion mandate. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign. Everybody say reign. This is a kingdom word. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Here's a revelation. Male and female, he created them. So I want you to see this because we're talking about the kingdom. God places Adam and Eve as the regents of his kingdom, and he gave them delegated authority to rule and to reign. And as long as they live their lives in perfect submission in a place of dependence upon the king, the creator king's eternal life would flow through them and help them accomplish the mission. How many know you're made to live forever? We were made to take the glory and the greatness and the honor of God global across planet Earth and to fill the earth with the glory of God. That was the original dominion mandate. And I want you to see something. This is where divine sovereignty and human responsibility intersect. Now, how many of you believe in a sovereign God? I love the sovereignty of God. But how many of you also believe in human responsibility? It's one of those tension points in the Bible. It's not a tension point in God's mind, but it gets to be a tension point in our minds a little bit as human beings. But St. Augustine said this, and he captures this tension. St. Augustine said, without God, we cannot, and without us, he will not. Think about that. Without God, we cannot. How many of you know that means we're dependent upon a sovereign king? But without us, he will not, which means that God has chosen to fulfill his mission through human beings, made in his image and likeness, endowed with authority and power to rule and reign and take dominion over planet Earth. 
which means we have an incredibly important role before God Almighty. But this is that tension that we talk about, the tension between the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. Now, so here's what God's looking for from us. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's looking for in our prayer life is agreement. Because the place of agreement is a place of power. When we come into agreement with our king at the place of his will, that's when the power is released to accomplish whatever God's trying to accomplish in the earth through us. But can I just say something? He needs the church. He is the head of the church, and we are his body. How many of you know a headless body is not any good, but a body without a head, or I'm sorry, a head without a body is not worth much either. So the head is looking for agreement with the body to accomplish the mission, and it's beautiful. The sovereignty of God is never uh, in question. But the responsibility of human beings made in his image and likeness and entrusted with dominion to release the kingdom of God on planet earth, that is something that he's looking for his church to partner with him. Anybody interested in partnering with the Father on this? Yeah, come on. This is where it gets to be really, really exciting. So take a look, for instance, Psalm 115. I'm just laying some track today. Psalm 115, uh, verses 14 through 16. This is an amazing blessing from God. I'm going to just speak it over you. Is that all right? It's right here in the Bible. May the Lord richly bless both you and your children. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. amen just simply means, so be it, Lord. I agree with you. I agree with what you said. May the Lord, I'm going to say it again because it's good. May the Lord richly bless both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Y'all want to receive that one too? May you and you and you and you be blessed by the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. How many of you know the one with the authority to create has the authority to bless? So the blessings of God are powerful. We need to receive them. And how about this? I just spoke blessing, and I'm speaking. I'm releasing kingdom realities through my mouth because I'm somebody coming into agreement with what God has said. But how many you know the place of agreement is the place of, of blessing and power? So when I'm saying, may the Lord bless you, you should be going, I receive it, and you should walk out of here expecting the blessing of God and the favor of God on your life. That's how this works. Now listen, this, this is where I want to get, verse 16. The heavens belong to the Lord. But he has given the earth to all humanity. Yeah, whoa. Where is the Lord even now? He is seated in the heavenlies. We're on planet earth, which, by the way, he created for us. The earth he has given to humanity. Let me give you another verse that establishes this. It's not on the screen. Psalm 8. Anything not on the screen was stuff that made my sermon notes after Thursday, just so you know, all right? This is post-Thursday good stuff I threw in here, all right? Psalm chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, we've been crowned with glory and honor. Can you just picture that? You and I have been crowned. God crowns us with glory. We share in his glory and honor as people made in his likeness. That's pretty cool, isn't it? We've been crowned with glory and honor and given charge over everything God made, putting all things, the Bible says, under their authority. 
I thought it was all under God's authority. It is under God's authority, but he's delegated the authority to those of us who are earth dwellers. We are existing to fill the earth with the glory of God and to be conduits for the kingdom. Well, how's he going to do that? So, so, So again, we sing a song here that talks about authority to heal, authority to pray, authority to do these things. This is not, nobody has authority apart from God except delegated authority. So how many know, I'm just reading you a bunch of verses this morning. God has entrusted you and me with serious authority. And to whom much has been given, much will be required. And the nature of authority is accountability. And that we use the authority to be a blessing everywhere we go. So I'm laying some track here. This is some good news. As God's vice regents, we are, we represent the kingdom of God on earth. God is literally carrying out his kingdom dominion through his church. The creation and the commissioning of man was the first introduction and establishment of God's kingdom here on planet earth. Here's another word. Adam is an ambassador of heaven, and so are you. As ambassadors, we talk about that passage in 1 Corinthians, right, where Paul calls us ambassadors of Christ. And what are we doing? We're declaring the intention and the heart and the mission of our king. We're representing another country. And how many know an ambassador is only good to the degree that they have a relationship with the leader of the country that they represent because they're there to represent the heart and the wishes of that leader, so when Adam, when we say Adam is an ambassador, Adam has been empowered by God on planet Earth to be a carrier of the Father's heart and the Father's mission of planet Earth. Amen. To the degree that he fails, to the degree that he breaks relationship, that's how he fails in his mission. But we are ambassadors of heaven. And this is cool, too. God did not create you to be a subject merely, although we are subject to him. Ready for this? God inhabited the planet with sons and daughters. We are part of a royal family. You know, all the royals, we got all the stuff going on right now. It's chaos. It's all, it's all just drama. And sometimes, how many of you know, you don't want his royal family to look like that royal family right now anyway? Y'all with me? Like, we need to get along much better than that. Everybody's making the tabloids because of all the craziness going on. But listen, we're sons and daughters because remember Luke 12, 32, we have a father. Our father's the king. (laughs) This is awesome. My dad is the king. My dad is the king of the cosmos. Johnny was telling me some of the guys, you know, were having this discussion on the baseball team, on the bench, which kids came from... um, uh, wealthy families, and which kid came from middle-class families. And they said, oh, Johnny, we know you come from a wealthy family. And I said, John, it's true. Your dad is king of the cosmos. (laughs) We are loaded. I'm just letting you all know. We are filthy rich. I want everybody on the bench to know that. But do you know that we come from a a royal family? It's pretty amazing. 
I was just thinking of all this coronation of King Charles and the royal family and all the etiquette and all this kind of stuff. Um, thank God that's not the way our, our family works. But we do have a royal family, which means we're all royal. We're all blue bloods in this place, all right? Pretty awesome. So here's, here's my point. The Lord told me one time, he said, you know, when there's needs or you're confronted with needs, if you'll operate in my Father's heart and not go, oh, wait a minute, we'd like to meet that need, but I don't know, let me check, see if we got, a, see if we got enough money. Um, just, he said, if you'll act like me, I'll fund what you're doing. Why? Because God needs people on the earth to, to reveal his kingship. Does this make sense? So we're all paupers. We all know that. We're paupers apart from the Lord. We've been adopted into a royal family, which is incredible. But we still act like paupers. Now, I'm not talking about go out and run up your credit card and just say, hallelujah, I'm a king's kid. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am saying this. When it comes to loving people, we should be really generous. And we should act like royalty. And then watch God move on our behalf. Because listen, God is a head with a body, and if the body is not operating, he can't do what he wants to do. George Mueller got in trouble with this one time. You don't know who George Mueller is. He's walking around the streets of Great Britain. He says, look at all these orphan kids on the streets. Someone, ever do that? Someone should care for these kids. Someone should feed these kids. Someone should do something with these kids. And the Lord said, you father them. And he became a father to, at one point to 10,000 children he was feeding by faith every single day. Because listen, this always gets me. Because he acted like his dad. He did what his dad would do. And God said, I'll back what you're doing because you're doing what I would do. And I encourage you to read George Mueller's testimony because they would literally be sitting at the breakfast table waiting for breakfast, and he knew there was no breakfast until the milk truck driver shows up, brings milk to everybody because he said, I was driving, and the Lord said, take the milk over to that place and deliver it. In other words, the Holy Spirit was speaking to milk truck drivers to take care of God's kids because somebody wanted to act like God and release the kingdom of God on planet Earth. That is the kind of life I'm talking about. But I mean, you know, Satan is always lurking on the outside. Satan has no part in the kingdom of God. And Satan's always lurking on the outside to destroy things and to mess things up. And that's exactly what he did. His plan was to get Adam and Eve to step outside of or out from under the rule and reign of God. Now, can I just tell you, this is what sin is. Sin is independence. Sin is um, self-governing. Sin, what the devil is always trying to do, remember Luke 12, 32, he's trying to introduce fear Pride and unbelief. Fear says, God's not going to take care of you. Pride says, I can do it better flying solo. And unbelief says, God's really not looking out for my best interest in mine. God's really not good. 
And so I need to go solo. In fact, in fact, God's actually a limiting factor on your development. If you'll just go out from under his authority, then you can become all that you were made to become. Doesn't this sound like the American lie in our country today? Just, just, just do your own thing. Don't, don't do it God's way. Well, I know the Bible says that. No, don't do it God's way. Just do it your way. Get, get, get out from under the authority and the rule and the reign of God, and then you'll become who you really can become. And we all know what happened. That was a, a terribly, terribly bad decision. He begins questioning, did God really say? And I want you to know he didn't tempt them to sin directly, but it was this subtle lie creating an independence in the heart of Adam and Eve. And I want you to see something. When you are an ambassador to a foreign country and you sin against your country, we have a word for that. It's called treason. When you've been, listen to me, when you have been entrusted and I've been entrusted with representing the kingdom, and we are, we are regents, we are ambassadors, we are stewards. We are called to, to, to bring the government of God to Crown Point, Indiana. And when we sin, we're basically committing treason and, as an act of rebellion against the king and against the country, which is the kingdom. So we sin against king and country. I want you to understand from a kingdom template, the essence of sin is treason. You've basically said, I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm not going to live for God. I'm not going to represent his kingdom. I want to do it my way. I want to live my life. I, I, want, to do, I want to do it the way I think is best. Treason, treason, treason. Because you've taken an incredible trust that has been given to you, a sacred trust. How many of you remember when Judas kisses Jesus? On the cheek, the, the, the worst, you know, pa most painful act of treason that could possibly happen. A, a, an act of affection being twisted and perverted into uh, literally a stab in the gut. And how many of you know when we think of the name Benedict Arnold in America? It is a name that lives in infamy because that man was a general in our army and won some serious wars. But, but when he was overlooked for a promotion, he turned on the nation. Because, again, at that point, it wasn't about the nation. It was about himself. You know, we have a lot of traitors in our country today. I won't, get, I won't get off there, but we have a lot of people who are not looking out for the best interest of king and country in America today. Stick around, because the 4th of July message is going to be exciting this year, all right? <laughs> I promise you, you probably have not heard... I bet you can't name one pastor that's going to preach on what I'm going to preach on on the 4th of July. I'm just going to throw that one out, all right? As soon as Adam and Eve demonstrate independence from God, they fell. And I want you to see this. The rulers became ruled. And the sons and daughters became slaves. And I want to ask you a question. The act of treason, what is the penalty for the act of treason? It's death because you not only, you not only did someone wrong, you did our whole nation wrong. And it demands death. Now, does anybody know the Bible says that the wages of sin, the sin of treason, is death? So God had a dilemma, and I want you to see this. 
God could have acted instantly and brought judgment on Satan and brought judgment upon his entire kingdom. But to be consistent with justice, he would have also had to bring judgment upon Adam and Eve. And God's plan was never to destroy or to judge or to wipe out his sons and his daughters. His plan has always been to redeem us and to restore us. And I want you to see something powerful. And I want you to feel this this morning. Even though we were traitors, we, we violated the sacred trust that was given to us. Adam declared his independence from his kingdom government. Adam severed his relationship with the king. Adam abandoned his position as ambassador. Adam lost his dominion over planet Earth. And Adam is now a citizen without a country. And how many of you know nature abhors a vacuum, and so does Satan? And so what happens when Adam is a traitor and Eve are traitors? What happens? Satan moves in and establishes a counterfeit kingdom and an illegal government. Can I just frame everything real clearly for us right now? Planet Earth is under a counterfeit kingdom and an illegal government. It's the job of the church. Because here, what, this is a trivia question. What's the first word of John the Baptist's sermon? And what's the first word of Jesus' sermon? Repent. Here's, what's, here's what he's saying. Here's the good news of the gospel. You ready? Hey, all you traitors and rebels that are worthy of death, your king, out of his mercy, is extending an opportunity for you to have forgiveness and for you to be restored into the grace and the goodness and the kindness of your Father. But you must repent of your sin. You must repent of your rebellion. You must come under the goodness of your king and come under his authority once again. The door is wide open. There's amnesty now. But judgment is coming. Judgment is coming, but there's amnesty now. That's the gospel. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. All you traitors deserving of death. I put myself in the crowd. Thank God there's mercy. Thank God there's forgiveness. But I want you to see as I'm closing with this. Counterfeit kingdom, illegal government, and the promise of the Messiah. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 14, all the way, I'm taking it all the way to the end, Skyler. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Isn't that an amazing passage? He purchased our freedom from a counterfeit king and a counterfeit government. And he washed away the guilt so that restored, we're restored now into the Father's kingdom. But how many of you know right now as we speak, in America and across every nation of the world, there is a civil war taking place between two kingdoms. And as I shared with you before, if you think that the purpose of the gospel is to remove you from all hardship and discomfort, you have been preached a lie. We are fighting for our lives 
and fighting for the king, and we're fighting to take over ground that's ours. I, I want you to see this. When you walk around the city, you should be saying, this city belongs to my dad. And wherever you see injustice or you see things that don't line up with the kingdom, there should be a, a reformer in every one of us. A reformer in every one of us because you, you simply say this, we cannot tolerate this, we cannot tolerate this on my father's ground, his planet, because he's the creator king, and in the expression of his kingdom. This is not how his kingdom operates. Amen. And I'll just say this. Everywhere his kingdom goes, it elevates people. I don't care what country you come from. Well, we can't, you know, impose our God. We're not imposing anything on anybody. We're declaring the rightful lordship of our king over his creation and inviting rebel uh, soldiers to change camps. And not only to change camps, but to do so with the Lord taking all of our guilt and shame and washing it away so we're not walking here with our heads hanging down like our king's upset with us. We lift our heads because the guilt and shame of our treacherous, rebellious behavior has been washed away at the cross. And now we have the privilege, our heads lifted high once again. We have the privilege of joining God. And somebody thought, wow, Pastor, this has been helpful this morning. I thought we just got saved and went, came to church on Sunday. It's so much bigger. It's so much bigger, isn't it? What a privilege and what an honor we have. So I want to, yeah, as Pastor Dick said, it's a global army. It's ever incredible. How many of the kingdom is not under threat right now? It's this planet that's under attack. The king and his kingdom are, are forever increasing, unstoppable. God's looking for the ambassadors to start getting involved again, the regents to start taking dominion, which is why in every area of your life, oh, I hate that clock, every area of your life, you should be saying, where is it that I need to step up and be the son or the daughter that God's called me to be? And bring his kingdom and his kingdom values to play. Stand to your feet. Let me pray with you guys this morning. Father, thank you for your kingdom, and thank you for the privilege. Lord, may we see it. May we embrace it. May we fully repent of our rebellious hearts. And Lord, may we lay our lives down for king and country. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you guys need prayer, come on down. All right, we love you. Have an amazing day. Don't forget our Honduras fundraiser out there.